Hey there, folks. <clears throat> yeah. Um, here's your, this is your, uh, your favorite radio professional right here. This is Joe Public, who, um, you know, he's got his timer going. The timer tells me, it tells him, you know, when to start the show, when to hit the button and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, what am I doing before I get to that point? Am I psyching myself up? Am I writing notes about the, excuse me, the notes about the show? Nope. I'm eating a sandwich. That's what I'm doing. And it was a really good sandwich. And so I was sort of savoring it. And um, because of that, um, uh, I was a little late getting started because I still got like, you know, you get like really good bread, like turns to like, like gooey paste and it gets in your teeth and stuff. And it's basically like, you're going to, you're going to be chewing that for a while. That's, that's where I am right now. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's more sandwich to go there. Um, <laughs> oh my, it's been a long time. It's Tuesday night. You're on the public record and on here on Radio Nope. And, uh, it's been two weeks. It's been two weeks since I did a show. And, um, and if you tuned in last week or the week before you heard a rerun, I'm sure that was great because, you know, the, the powers what be, uh, they pick good stuff. Like they go through, they peruse the archives and they, they really think about what they're going to play for you. So I'm sure it was fine. Uh, those of you who don't tune in every week, you may not have even noticed unless I like started talking about current events, which I want to do sometimes during my shows for various reasons. And he went, wait, what? This isn't live? No, no. But it's live tonight. It's live tonight. Um, I'm not gonna, eh, not right now. I'm not gonna go into like the sad tale of of why I was not here the last two weeks. But trust me, the tale is in fact sad, and it will be um, it will be told. The tale will be told. <sighs> but sadder things happen. So um, today, an icon of um, in the history of rock music passed, and um, Charlie Watts. Uh, I actually had to go like just I think I knew it was going to happen right because um, idiots who know nothing about music like to comment on the fact that Charlie Watts was a very um, he was a very uh, laid back kind of uh, he was the sort of drummer that didn't call a lot of attention to himself when he played. And there's a good reason for that. It's because the man cared about the song. And what he was trying to do is he's trying to play the right part to enhance and contribute to the song. He's not trying to call attention to himself. But um, rampaging asshats that many musicians are, um, they like to have opinions. And um, <laughs> how odd. I wonder what I have in common with them. Um and and often those opinions are just ridiculous. I mean, you know, you have this whole school of thought that says if you're not super flashy and you know you don't um, you don't make it all about you, you're not good. Whatever instrument it is you play, which which kind of explains why you know there's very very few musicians out there who will tell you about their favorite bass player. They don't have one because they never think about the bass player, um, much to their loss, in my opinion. Um, and non-flashy drummers like Charlie Watts or Phil Rudd with ACDC get a lot of grief, um, for not being flashy when in fact, uh, they're really, they were really great. They were great at what they did. 
or or they are great at what they do. Uh, in the case of Charlie, he was one of the best, one of the best, um, all time best. And and uh, it's just weird. It's a weird thing to look at the to look at the um, the obituary online today and go, oh my God, he was eighty. And you know, I can actually remember when I was a kid. I, I can remember not knowing of anybody who was 80. Um, people living that long was just bizarre. And no one for a moment thought any member of the Rolling Stones was going to live to be 80. Um, I mean, if you're going to pick somebody who's going to live to be 80 in the Rolling Stones, you were probably going to pick Charlie. Um, because most people regarded him as being kind of, you know, reasonably sane. Uh <laughs> Um, but you know, he had a, he had an absolute wild side to himself and, you know, folks, he was in the biggest band in the world, um, self-proclaimed greatest rock and roll band in the world, um, basically invented the idea of a stadium tour. Um, and you just know that like, there's nobody who's participating in whatever, you know, the world is around that kind of an enterprise who isn't taking full advantage of it, right? Like, there's nobody who's like, all right, you you, you lads, have fun. I'm going back to the room to sleep uh, in 1975, right? That's not happening. Um, anyway, uh, Charlie Watts, rest in peace. Um, you will certainly be missed, man. Um, by all accounts, an incredibly um, kind and funny and gentle guy. And, uh, actually I know some folks who met him who all like, they all said flat out, oh yeah, the nicest guy, just a, a total, a gem of a human being. And, uh, I'll fight anybody who tries to tell me he wasn't a great drummer. Um, and I will, I'll fight you. Um, and you'll lose. How about that? Not only will you, will you have to admit he was a great drummer, um, but you'll be humiliated by a midget. So there you go. <laughs> Um, yeah, when you go high, I go low. Just think about that. Um, anyway, I'm going to play some, I'm going to play some Rolling Stone songs. Cause you know, cause I, cause I got to, cause you got it. One has to pay their respects and the best way to pay your respects to a great musician is to play some of their great music. So, uh, thanks Charlie. <laughs> Change has come, she's under my thumb. 
Look, if you can find a better radio station out there, we highly suggest you listen to it. But you won't. Radio Nope.
Okay, that song, like slapping the headphones on right before I'm going to come on the mic and hearing the, the, the tail out of Doo 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 Doo, Heartbreaker. Gotta love the nonsense title. The title of the song is Doo 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 Doo. Heartbreaker's in parentheses. Um, one suspects the record company said, come on. <laughs> anyway, putting the cans on, as they say in the biz. And um, and listening to that that uh, lead out on that song with the horns and everything, um, like instantly I got chills. I got chills, and it took me back to being like 15 years old and listening to music in my in my room on headphones because that was the only way I could listen. Otherwise, my parents I think will, I think I feared that my stepfather might actually murder me. I'm pretty sure now he wouldn't, 
but also am not sure of that, considering that I am a step-parent and have had my moments. Um, but no, I was pretty sure he, was, he would kill me if I um, provided him with too much uh, noise or whatever. And, and he considered everything rock and roll noise. And I think he particularly hated the Rolling Stones. Um, I know he absolutely, like Van Halen made him want to go grab a small animal and choke it to death. Um, and I'm pretty, pretty darn sure the Rolling Stones had like a special place in his heart of, of like hatred because my mother, so this is weird. Okay, I got I got to go for this story. My my mom was hella hip. Now my mother was not um like when, she was 33 when she had me. And so she was uh at the and at the time that's like that's being old and having a kid. And um my dad was uh 7 years younger than she was. But my mother was always by far the hippest person in the party. Um as I've been told by their friends. Um, she was the one who brought the cool records to the parties. Um, I, as a, as a kid, I inherited a few Rolling Stones records, like 1960s era Stones records. And I thought they had been my older sisters and they were not. Um, my sister had sort of purloined them from my mother's record collection and they ended up in my collection and I remember my mother being like oh those are my records and telling me like she bought them to bring to parties because she loved the Rolling Stones uh, among other things uh, um, that surprised the hell out of me Um, but when she and my stepfather got together and he was 10 years younger than she was although almost everyone assumed he was older than she um, he kind of emphatically made it clear that playing rock and roll at him was a perfect way to make him want to leave. And so my mother went like overnight from being this total hip chick to, for her age, to um, like listening to elevator music and just baffled me until I realized that, you know, she really adored him and giving up um, records she seldom listened to anyway uh, f- to have him around was totally worth it. Um, but I also suspect there was, there's like one of the things driving it was like the, uh, that a, a fairly decent segment of her collection of records at that, at the point when they got together were those Rolling Stones records and he really hated them. Um, anyway, so I listened, I list, I grew up listening to music in my bedroom, like lying on my floor with the lights off. Uh, headphones on, turned up to excruciating volume a lot of the time. Um, and Goat's Head Soup. Um, so I, I did this weird thing with records as a kid. Like, the first Rolling Stones record that I ever bought with my own money was Emotional Rescue. And I loved that record a lot, and that's why I played that, that title track um, just before this one. Um but then what I would do is I would, you know, it's like I bought a record and I loved it. And then I would go to the record store and I would buy a record that I knew that my friends didn't have. And like none of my friends had Goat's Head Soup. So I bought it. And um, Heartbreaker just like won me over immediately. And I used to get these like chills every time I listened to it as a kid. So it was weird putting the cans on and like <gasps> that feeling came right back. And that was amazing. <sighs> Um, 
So, and then before, okay, so before Emotional Rescue, um, Can't You Hear Me Knocking, uh, I have a good friend, well, sort of good friend, this guy Graham, uh, he's a singer, he's a fantastic guy, he's so weird, um, in good ways, like weird in really, really good ways. Graham hates Can't You Hear Me Knocking maybe more than any other song in the world, and he's told me this on multiple occasions, um, and the reason, the interesting thing is, and part of the reason I played it, part of why he hates it is because it's so jazzy and he just doesn't dig the jazzy groove. And that song, the Rolling Stones could never have made that song. It would never have worked if it wasn't um, for two things. Bobby Keys playing the saxophone and Charlie Watts on the drums. You, you can't pull off that jazzy feel with those, those two guys and the song. And, and I would argue um, mostly it's, it's up to Charlie. Um, yeah, I'd say like 90% it's up to Charlie. Uh, and I started us off with Under My Thumb, which was like one of my first favorite Rolling Stone songs. So I had to play that one. And I also love the, the, the whole drum groove on that one. And that was kind of the point of, you know, of that whole set. Um, I... I have more stone stuff, but I don't want to bombard people with it. Um, so I had this funny conversation with um, my friend Matt, who's a longtime like regular listener here, about music that I hate because of... Well, not music I hate, like era, an era of music that I find very, very difficult to listen to and, and oftentimes border on hating because of the way music the music was recorded the way that it was put together by the producer and the engineer um and that's that's conversation started off about like the you know like the 80s being the greatest decade for music and i went and oh he yeah he had like this survey that was like put him put them in order greatest decades of rock and roll and he was offended or appalled, I don't know which one, probably just appalled, that I'd put the 1950s ahead of the 1980s. And I said, it's because 80 to 84-ish is amazing. But 85 to 1990 is horrifying. It's like the great, amazing, creative, incredible music that was made in the first half of the decade is just like, to me in some ways, is just like blotted out, just stomped into the dust by, and it's not even the songs necessarily being bad. It's the, the way they sound. And he, he, I tried to explain it. And then I said, you know what? I think you just gave me an idea for my radio show. So guess what I'm doing? I'm going to AB some stuff folks. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, let's, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, I've often said that, um, one of the biggest examples of this is, uh, the difference between, um, early eighties Van Halen and late eighties Van Halen. And everybody goes, wait, what? No, you just don't like Sammy Hagar. No, I love Sammy. Sammy is a God unto me. Um, I, I think he's not that great of a songwriter. He has a tendency to keep writing the same song over and over again. Um, and as a lyricist, he can just like drown himself in cliches. Um, but the man has pipes 
And every time I've ever heard him talk, every time I've read anything he's written, I am just blown away by the guy. And I think he's a fantastic performer. And and so it's not that I hate Sammy. It's that the way that Van Halen's records sounded from 19... the the Like the flip of the switch from 1984 to 1985 is insane to me. So to start with, haha, let's go with... Um, this this is like this is like one of the greatest Van Halen songs ever, if not the greatest Van Halen song, the most iconic Van Halen song from the David Lee Roth era. <laughs>
Which internet radio station has the guts to break all the rules of radio and put a plosive P at the end of their name? Radio Nope.
I I just can't even with Death Leopard's Hysteria album. I can't I can't even with it. And the thing is, the songs aren't bad, right? That's that was a pretty good song. Dumb title, Armageddon it. Um, but you know, cocaine. <laughs> um, and but that but the thing is about that song is it's it's like it's like a or, or that whole album is just an encyclopedia of everything that was wrong with music production in the mid to late 1980s. And and I've said that, and people go, oh, you're mad because they had a one-armed drummer and he was using technology so he could keep playing. No, I'm not mad about that at all. And and Rick Allen is amazing for having figured out how to do it. And, and the thing is, if you've never played the drums, you have no idea what he had to do to figure like the mental processes and the retraining of his of his reflexes and his body that he had to do in order to actually make that work and you know he deserves all the praise in the world for pulling that off and you know goes into contention for you know maybe smartest drummer who ever lived it's not a particularly smart guy um see the uh incident that cost him his arm and then the later incident in which he decided to, as a one-armed man, attempt to beat up his girlfriend. Um, you know, he's he, common sense is missing, um, but also he he's clearly he's got a level of intellect that allows him to think through and come up with a way to do something nobody'd ever done before. So no, it's not about the fact that Rick Allen has uh, is a one-armed drummer and that he used technology and electronic drums to to solve the problem that he had as a one-armed drummer. No, it's the problem of everything about that record sounds artificial. Everything about it sounds artificial. There's nothing on there that sounds like it is being played by a human and that's really really the beef i have with mid to late 80s early 90s music for the most part is the producers the engineers they got they just went overboard they went crazy with oh look at what we can do it's sort of like the scientists the mad scientists who create the um the you know whatever they create i'm not going to entertain your dumb conspiracy theories if you have them um but who who are always about coulda and never about shoulda. Um, they just had too many toys. And th- instead of using those toys to do a better job of engineering and producing music, they used them to play with their toys. And, it, and it's all I can hear because of the way my brain works and the way my ears work. Um, so the song before that, uh, another hit and run from the High and Dry record, um... That's a very, very produced record. Um, same producer, same engineering team, but it's five years earlier and they don't quite have the same technology to play with. And so it's it still retains that sense of um, humanity. Yeah, that's what I'm going to call it. Um, Van Halen, before that, with In and Out. Um, again, I'm not a hater of that song. I like that song. Um, but it is the 
One of the things that was great about the older Van Halen records, and I started that set off with Unchained, one of the things that was great was it, it gave you this feeling like you're at a concert and you're watching Van Halen play. And that's not, like, the, the untrained think, oh, well, you can do that by just setting up microphones and recording the band. No, that's not how it works. Um, it's an art there's an art to making a recording sound like a live performance to have it jump out of your speakers or out of your headphones and give you that feeling of of life and presence and you're there in the moment while they're playing the song even though it's totally constructed and there's overdubs and all that stuff going on um whereas in and out is impossible there's there's nothing about that song that sounds like it is physically possible and i weep for you know Alex Van Halen, drummer, um, one of the things that he that 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 was so great about his drumming on the early '80s, the late '70s, early '80s Van Halen records, was it was so present and so in your face. Um, I remember being struck as a kid the very first time, like the the snare hits and the kick drum hits just punched me. Um, and then you get to um, Oh, you! Uh, I think it's uh, for unlawful Car- carnal knowledge. The album that that In and Out's off of, and his drums are like buried in reverb. They're like a thousand miles away from the rest of the band, and there's no punch. There's no like pound. There's no thump that's coming from it. Um, the only thump in that song is coming from Michael Anthony's bass, um, and yeah, just it just just doesn't sound real, right? Yeah. That's the deal, man. That's why I don't... That's why I hate the late 80s. Hate. That's right, I said it. Hate. Because <sighs> I became a curmudgeon like the day I graduated from high school. <laughs> that's basically what happened to me. Uh, you're listening to Joe Public on the Public Record. I'm going to continue to um, abuse your earballs with um, with my, uh, my, my, my sermonette on the evils of uh, overproduced uh, late '80s music, and and the thing is, I I will give you a hint. I'm not going to play you any bad music here. This is good music. Um, don't like the execution. That's that's kind of the point. Um, and I was thinking, I was like, okay, well, this is really easy to do with um, like hard rock and and um, metalish pop metalish kind of stuff. But there's more. There's stuff that you don't realize and it and it falls and this is here's a good set this is a good example right here Oh, my. 
night slowly closes in And I feel so lonely Touching heat, freezing out my skin I pretend you still hold me I'm going crazy, I'm losing sleep I'm empty, vibing way too deep over you I can't believe you're gone You were the first, you'll be the last Wherever you go, I'll be with you Whatever you want, I'll give it to you Whenever you need someone To lay your heart and head upon Remember after the fire, after all the rain I will be the flame I will be the flame Watching shadows move across the wall
Okay, so the last two songs, perfect example of what I was talking about before. Uh, Cheap Tricks the Flame, last big hit they ever had. Um, before that, Cheap Trick with Need Your Love from the Dream Police record. Uh, the Flame came out in 1987. Uh, Dream Police was released, released in 1979. I think they recorded it in 78. Um, Need Your Love sounds as close as you were going to get at that point in time to a record that sounded like what Cheap Trick sounded like live. And if you don't believe me, go queue up the Cheap Trick Live at Budokan record that has a live version of Need Your Love on it and AB that with uh, the Dream Place version. Um, yeah. It's it's great. I mean, Dream. I mean, Budokan isn't 100% live it's live-ish, um, but the energy and everything, the the magic, the studio magic of making you believe like you're just like the band is playing in your in your bedroom when you're a teenager, right? That's that's what's going on there. Meanwhile, with the flame, we've got um, so much reverb on Bunny Carlos's drum set that he sounds like he's playing in the back of a church that might be near the band. And you've got so much tweedly synthesizer stuff on there. No, it's just, it's just no. However, Robin Zander could sing the phone book and I'd probably be okay with it. Or, or as I said in the chat, a uh, 13 year old girl's diary. Cause that's kind of what those lyrics are like. Um, before that, a couple of Michael Jackson songs, um, working day and night from the off the wall record, another record that came out in 1979. And then you've got, um, smooth criminal from bad, which came out in 1987. And n- they're like, I said, not a bad song, just, uh, it's robotic. Everything about it is just robotic. It's, it's just like mechanical and robotic. And and maybe that's because that's what we thought we wanted in 1987. We thought we wanted a mechanical and robotic world. Like everything was just going to be... Just the machines were going to run everything and we're going to be fine. Of course, now we have a world in which the machines run everything. Social media ag- algorithms. And it's actively destroying everything. Ugh. You know, I'm Gen X, and we Gen Xers tried to warn you boomers, and you just did not listen. And then you know what you did? You had kids, and they're the millennials, and they paid attention to you and your dumb ideas about the world, and and that's where we are. And Gen X is just standing here, broadly gesturing at everything, going, why? (sighs) I'm Joe Public. You're listening to The Public Record. So, ha, 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 ha. There you are. You're here, and I'm here, and uh, I am live on the microphone. Um, I, I really tried different little, like, you might, like, I, I think I sound better because I tried, I tweaked some of my settings on, on my mic preamp and stuff, you know. Again, recording nerd. Can't help it. Um, so yeah, so I got more. To, I got more. I'm going to do more. I'm going to do more of this stuff. And, and again, I promise you, I'm not going to play you any bad songs. Not really. I mean, I think the flame is the 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 only bad, the truly bad song I'm going to play at you. Um, 
And then I'm going to go out and like, I'm going to try and save some time to play some more uh, Rolling Stones to memorialize Mr. Charlie Watts. That's, that's what I'm going to try and do. Anyway, um, there are those of you who have experienced me trying to tell you this is the greatest hard rock record that was ever made. Um, I will curry no dispute of this. So there.
Okay, I saved the the coup de grace for the for the finale of this this like ranty, you know, why you should hate the late '80s, mid '80s music thing. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back. I'm not gonna back announce. I'm gonna go from the top of the set. Uh, ACDC's "Shake a Leg." Um, that's a song from one of the if not the greatest hard rock records of all time the back in black album uh released 1980 and uh, there's not a bad song on there and the entire record makes you transports you like if you're you're listening to that on your stereo in your car or in your headphones that record can transport you away from wherever you are and it can take you to a place that um, just feels like a good place to be, which is ironic because it's a record that's memorialized their memorialized mo, eh, too many syllables memorializing their dead singer. Um, and it's it's kind of a transformative record as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then we have from. Uh, dumbly titled blow up your video album um a song called that's the way i want to rock and roll it's not a bad song like it's got a catchy riff and and you know there's elements in there but again it's one of these things where you take a band that's got punch and power and you stick them in a cavern like everything about that song sounds like it's in a cave somewhere um not the horrible mechanical robotic thing that I was talking about earlier, but still like, wow, way to make a great band sound bad. And, uh, and then I have the, the pinnacle of the, of the example. And this is an example I've thrown at people before. And it's, I've watched the light bulb go off over their heads. Uh, limelight by rush from moving pictures. Um, just flat out one of the best rock records ever made um the 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 greatest thing rush ever did by far um it shows off everything is great about them as a band um and again it's one of these things where like you're listening to that you listen to that whole album and you feel like you are watching them like if as a kid laying down on my floor headphones on i'm listening to that album and i am transported i am i am in a rush concert and then you have Time Stand Still. Not a bad song. Not at all a bad song. But what is Rush known for? Massively amazing musicianship. And top of that list is Neil Peart, their drummer. Maybe the greatest rock drummer who ever lived. And he is he is absent. He's absent from that song. Like he might as well not be there because the drums are buried. They're buried in the cavern again. Um, and a lot of twinkly effects and, and stuff that just doesn't make any sense. And then, you know, it's funny in the, uh, in the circles of, of guitar players, there's a thing called, um, Alex Lifeson disorder. Um, Alex Lifeson was renowned uh, for years, like his guitar sound was massive. He's like the only guitar player in the band. It's a power trio thing. He's got to take up a ton of space. 
And, um, you know, the line, not to be indelicate, was that Alex Lifeson, uh, up till about 1982, had balls bigger than the largest balls on an elephant that you'd ever seen. And then he got afflicted with Alex Lifeson disorder, and, and kind of the worst of it is that song, Time Stands Still, where anybody could be playing the guitar on that record. That's like, okay, yeah, session guy. doesn't matter because it's all, it's just tinkly, twinkly, doinkly, doink. It's gone. doesn't matter. And that's why I hate the ladies. That's why. And that, that, my friends, is the end of that rant. I'm done with that rant for tonight. You can all thank my buddy Matt for this. It's entirely his fault. Um, I love that I'm calling him out on the air. Uh, but, you know, it's fun. It's it's fun. I like those kind of, like, if, if you engage me in a discussion about music, uh, it's probably going to create a show, and I appreciate that. Because sometimes pulling this together can be a struggle. It can be tough. Um, you know, I've got a lot of life going on around me, and sometimes trying to figure out how to fill up two hours with music um, it is rough. And what you don't want me to do is get bored with playing music and decide I want to do an interview show because, uh I mean, actually, I, I think it would be great. I would enjoy it a lot. Not so sure you folks would. Uh, I am Joe Public. I am not going to talk. Um, I got like you know, less than 10 minutes to go. Let's just make the rest of this show be all about Charlie Watts. How's that sound? And uh, if that doesn't sound good, tough, because that's what's going to happen. I'm Joe Public. You're listening to The Public Record. Thank you for tuning in. Um, all, all things, you know, stars aligning in the right direction. I will be here next week live from 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific. And I hope you'll be here with me. And this is like, this is the song that started the cowbell thing. This is the, not the original cowbell song. That's actually a Jimi Hendrix tune, but this is close.
Sleeping all alone 